You're listening to In It Together, the podcast. I'm Arun Roth. Today is May 27th, 2021. Coming up, the pandemic closed the doors of churches last year, preventing people from not only worshiping in person together, but grieving together. In a year of protests that followed the murder of George Floyd and the steady release of more videos showing violence against black people, it was especially difficult for churches in communities of color. We'll hear more about this collective trauma from Reverend Emmett Price and Reverend Irene Monroe, both co-hosts of the GBH podcast, All Revved Up. But first, we'll have the latest numbers from the state's Department of Public Health. The DPH is reporting just over 200 new cases of the virus and nine new deaths. This brings a total number of cases statewide to roughly 660,000 and the total number of deaths to roughly 17,500. The seven-day test positive rate landed today at 0.8 percent. With me now, Reverends Emmett Price and Irene Monroe, co-hosts of the GBH podcast, All Revved Up. Reverends Emmett, Irene, it's good to have you with us. Thanks Thank for having you. us, Arun. Indeed. Yeah. So we're, we're, in a way, looking back on what's been tough in so many ways about the last 14 months. And, uh, and, and talking, talking about how church communities are, are getting together or not getting together, let's just sort of start off in, individually and talk about generally what worship has been like in your congregations for, for the past year. Irene, maybe if, if, if you can yeah, start, sure, uh, just give sure. us a, a sketch. You, you know, there have been some challenges and opportunities. Uh, you know, the very interesting thing is, is that what we always say in the African-American community is that when, when America catches a cold, black community catches pneumonia. So what you've been seeing is we've been dealing with a twindemic, you know, grieving during, during pandemic here and stuff. And, you know, one of the challenges is how do you do church? And we had a blueprint in terms of our ancestors with the hush harbors, you know, worshiping, maintaining our spiritual life in the face of of tremendous difficulty. But even if we get past this, let's be honest, Arun. I mean, we've had 250 years of slavery, you know, 90 years of Jim Crow, 60 years of separate and equal. So we know how to keep going in, in the face of stuff. But you know, some of the challenges has to depend on the community you interface with. I'm always reminded of this message by Jesus that when, you know, two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. How do you do that? And the ways that I have been doing it, of course, the internet has been wonderful, has been wonderful on that level, but I've also been doing funerals. So it hasn't been as good, but it's the only alternative here. But I think one of the things we understand as the black church, it's not just brick and mortar. We make a way out of no way. And one of the things that we want as ministers, we want our parishioners to stay safe and they follow our lead. And and because the centrality of the black church in our community, they're open to a multitude of suggestions of how we do worship. Emmett, uh, Reverend Reverend Price, if you can tell us about, uh, give us a snapshot, a sketch of, of what the year has been like for you in worship. Yeah, Arun, this has been a very interesting season because ministry, uh, at least to me, is about relationship and transformation. And in the past, pre-COVID, we gathered together in order to grow those individual unique relationships with one another. Now, we've had to flip that. We have focused on individual relationships. So there's been so much more texting 
so much more emailing parishioners, so much more uh, phone calls, you know, uh, in some cases, some drive-bys to wave at folks to let them know that they're not <laughs> forgotten. And then that becomes the invitation to our digital gathering so that the digital gathering becomes a manifestation of those individual relationships versus vice versa as it was before. The other thing is that in community, we're able to deal with our traumas and suffer together through the experiences. And we haven't been able to do that in that same way. So the, on May 25th, 2020, when, when we received news of George Floyd's murder, um, you know, usually the church would have come together and we would have mourned and grieved and lamented together. But we weren't able to do that. We were, we were left to try to do that digitally on that Sunday. So that meant that in our Bible studies, which we're at our congregation, we're doing via conference call and through our men's ministry and our women's ministry, which we're doing through Zoom, we've had to set aside a little time in order to actually talk about some of these scenarios, not only George Floyd, but Breonna Taylor. And not only Breonna Taylor, but the numerous brothers and sisters who have been murdered since. But we still, like Irene just said, we still figure it out. So we still are committed to the fact of, of being a, a, in a gathered body and being together and to the extent that we can not losing anyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a bit more about that and, and, and both of you here about uh, dealing with the, what we've all had to process th th this year, but especially in the African-American community. You know, not having uh, that that place to it to, to gather, how how you were able to both process the grief of of what we're going through with these these deaths, and I, as you mentioned, it seemed like after that, like every week there was another video, and um, both both to process the grief, but also coming together in, in terms of the response, what you do. Yeah, I think you know the, the challenge for us is that the grief is such; it's not only ongoing, but it's so heavy. Yeah. That, that I think we'll be processing these griefs for years to come. Because, I mean, let's be honest about the fact that if we do believe in six degrees of separation, yeah. some of these beautiful people who have been taken from us, we know people who know them. Yeah. So it's, it's mm -hmm. not like they're, they're, you know, a page five on a newspaper uh, with a photo of somebody who who we don't know in a name that we don't recognize. No, we we know these people, yeah, if, if, if not directly yeah then indirectly. And yeah. so that process is going to take a long time for us to deal with. But then the second piece is that we're still fighting to be seen as human beings, mm -hmm. as Black people in, in, in this nation. And right. so we're processing this in real time. And it's painful. And it's traumatic. And it's and ongoing. And it's ongoing. And it's on and ongoing. And you know, one of the things about pastoral care is really helping people through a valley of anxiety, fear, and death. And it's been absolutely ongoing, you know, because we got to understand that with each death, you know, there's a face, there's a family, there's a community, as Emmett said, six degrees, if not one degree of, mm -hmm. se of separation here. But, you know, the very interesting thing for me, I really thought I was prepared for this if it, because, you know, I come of age as a minister during the AIDS epidemic. But this is very, very different because the bodies were dropping like you're on a conveyor belt. There's just you just it has just been very hard. And the thing you have to understand how the understand the sort of enormity and the magnitude of our work. It, these are opportunities and challenges at the same time. Because we're on the internet, it dwarfed distances. So I was funeralizing people not just here in Massachusetts, 
but also from, you know, folks from home, Brooklyn, but also out in California, mm -hmm. folks who felt like we need something, we need a minister here. And you got to understand a lot of these people for a sundry of reasons are not in the church anymore for a sundry of reasons. But the point is, is that in those pivotal moments, in those milestone moments, you want to minister. And so we have just been busy, you know, and, and I'm still busy because this Saturday we did a service for a young trans woman who was murdered here in, in, in Boston. It was in the paper, Jahira D'Alto. So it's, it's ongoing. It's the, it's, the, the, it's the stuff of being murdered, the stuff of police shooting, the, you know, the stuff of people dying of this. And what we have to do, like I was saying, you know, we come from a history of, of, of and rightly so, of suspicion of the medical uh, profession. And I'm married to an ER physician. And I said, I said she was my canary in a coal mine. If she didn't, you know, when she took the uh, COVID uh, vaccine, I said, if she didn't wake up dead, I would, I would take it. And, and, and I did, and then I told Emmett, and, and then Emmett took it, okay? None of us woke up dead. So we were able to tell the community, it's all right, it's all right. Do you feel like, I mean, it sounds like with all of this backed up, right? There, there's, we're, we're gonna be spending some time now catching up on our grief, and is, is that kind of one of your projects now going forward uh, with with those you minister to? Yeah, yeah, Arun, I think, you know, the, the road forward and 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 i want to be cautious not to say the road back the road <laughs> forward is going to be a different path than we've ever experienced before so the notion of even regaining access to our buildings so that we can gather and worship we're going to have to teach people not to profile one another because the first person who walks up in a black church with no mask on e even though it may be permitted by you know cdc or whatever yeah it, there's going to be an issue there so we're going to have to train and teach people, you know, what that means. And then the other piece is this, and we haven't talked about this yet, but I do want to mention this, that as a result of the murder of George Floyd, there were so many statements, as I call them, George Floyd statements of, of, of virtue posturing, that all these organizations and companies and institutions and whatnot, you know, released their statement to say that moving forward, we're going to be more conscious. We're going to be more focused on cultural competency and diversity and equity and inclusivity. And here a year later, I, I would love to see if these folks actually held true to their aspirations. Because mm -hmm. what I'm seeing is, yeah. is, is that it's not happening. Yeah. I, I'm mm -hmm. seeing that the disparities continue to be, you know, increased, that, that, the, that the wedge in between uh, 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 folks continues to be increased, and that the sense of equity uh, continues to be something that we're going to have to continue to fight for. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to deal with our grief and our trauma. It's another mm -hmm. thing to deal with the fact that this disease has taken, you know, over a half a million people plus, you know, from us. Brown and, you know, brown and black. Exactly. But yeah. then it's another thing to have to fight on our jobs for equity and inclusivity and, and to fight in our neighborhoods for equity and inclusivity and to fight in the various spaces that that we should have privileges, you know, that are similar, if not right. equal to our colleagues, right? Yeah. So, so that's the other piece that we have to deal with. So our trauma is threefold. Okay. So it, it's it's the trauma of the pandemic, and so you, we we would say, okay, there's that normal pattern that Elizabeth Kubler Ross talks about. You know, we go through those five stages, but but there's that trauma, but then there's the chronic trauma 
of racism, police shooting, and, and how that impacts not only the individual, but the, com the community. And then there's generational trauma. So you need to understand that we have been working as ministers, not just with the trauma that comes with this pandemic, mm -hmm. but the ongoing trauma. And this is now threefold, you know? So it's, again, we, we're a grieving people and we're trying to our best to maintain not only the mental health of, of our community, but also the spiritual health. And while George Floyd is an inflection point, and yes, you know, he got the, the right verdict turned out, that, that was accountability, that wasn't justice. We want more than just symbolism. Uh, we want substance and we want structural change here. And so I agree with Emmett that we, we, gotta, we gotta do more in order to address now this threefold trauma that we face, the mental health spill out that will, will, will occur for this. And that never again, if we should have a pandemic again, as black people, we should, it should not be a, a, a twindemic for us. We we've kind of seen this coming all the way through, right? Where we're, and I, and this has been the case on this show for the last fifteen months. Where at the beginning of this, we were talking to people, you know, advocates for the homeless community who are saying, "Look, we got a disaster that's coming here. We we got to make sure that we're taking care of, of the homeless community. You know, we got to make sure when we're doing vaccinations that people aren't getting left behind." And then here we are in several months into the vaccinations and everything that we worried about that we were talking about all the way through. It's still the case that the, the, the people people are still getting left behind in the same way we've been talking about for the last 14 months. How do we actually move forward in a way that we I feel like we keep talking about and I keep feel like we keep spinning wheels? Yeah, you know, I, I want to suggest that sometimes we need to slow down, if not stop, so that we can stop the bleeding. Because when we're trying to heal while the wheels are still rolling, we don't necessarily know exactly what we're trying to heal. So sometimes we need to stop and assess what's going on and, and, and really take a true analysis of, of, of what we're trying to deal with because things are always much more complicated than they seem. And, and so, you know, when Irene talks about the LGBTQ community and when Irene talks about trans folks, they get left out, but they get left out on purpose mm -hmm. because we refuse to see them as human beings. And so sometimes we just need to stop and say, if we're going to be true to the aspiration of what this great nation aspires to be as defined by the first three words of the constitution, we the people, if we're going to be we the people, then we need to be we the people. And we need to be that more importantly, when the lights and the spotlights and the cameras are off, mm -hmm. when things really matter, we need to make yeah. sure that everybody is accounted for and that everybody gets access to the things that will avail life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you know, Emmett, so what <laughs> happens is, is that it has to be an intersectional approach. So Emmett and I have a very different approach about this here. And, and part of it has to do with the marginalization of me as an intersectional woman who is black, a woman, and also you know, part of the LGBTQ community. And while I like to change the hearts of people, it's very, very important to have laws on the book here. And that brings about moder moderately behavior modification. Because the problem is, is that like we're, re we're, we're a few days from June and I'm very nervous because the Supreme Court will, will have litigated uh, the, the, this big rubric topic called you know, religious liberty. And the Equality Act is, is under that rubric here and stuff. And so, so again, 
what we have to do in the in the face of what we know okay of what we really know is right is to then have laws that back so it shouldn't be hard to get the george floyd bill passed or the john lewis voting act passed or better yet hr 40 the bill on reparations it's wonderful i mean i, I need to just tell you if i change your heart that that's that's a jesus moment but i need some laws on the book that if i walk down the streets with thea Okay, and holding her hand, and who you know, I'm cisgendered and she's gender nonconforming. That I won't get beat up. That 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 it may not stop you, but we got some laws to say that maybe you need to think about. Do you want to? Do you want to go down that path? And I just think that when you don't have stuff like uh, we don't have a, a domestic bill, a, a domestic, uh, a, 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 what is it, a home domestic bill? I think we would have not as many uh, lynchings when there was a whole movement, we don't have an anti-lynching bill. So I think that it's, it's wonderful for us to talk about it, but there's a point that there has to be some action because people like me who are on the margin, we, we can't hurry up and wait. You know, it's that fierce urgency of right now. Reverend Emmett Price, Reverend Irene Monroe, it's been really good speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Indeed. That's Reverend Irene Monroe and Reverend Emmett Price, both co-hosts of the GBH podcast, All Revved Up. Thanks for listening to In It Together, the podcast from GBH News in Boston. You can check out full episodes on 89.7 FM if you're in the Boston area, or you can stream online at wgbhnews.org. You can find past episodes there as well. Our show is produced by Amanda Bielan. Our technical director is Bill Piacitelli. All music is written and produced by Elio DeLuca. See you Monday, and remember, we're all in this together.